Hey guys, let's see if I'm good here. Can you hear me? All right. Well, guys, I am Luther, and uh, once again, they're going to let me up here for one more week to talk to you guys. Uh, we are in week two of a series called Chaos, just talking about where God is in the midst of your chaos, answering a couple questions that we started trying to work on last week. Um, that, you know, that, that when you're in the midst of that chaos, when the world around you is moving, even though you feel like you're walking straight and and, and you want to scream out and cry out to God, God, where are you? And then that other question that we all seem to wrestle with is, why do bad things happen to good people? And, and, and as I told you last week, I don't know that for you I'm going to answer that completely. Um, but I want to put you on the path of a, of a journey to kind of work through that yourself with God and to see that you're not alone and that bad things happen to all people, even the disciples. A um, couple of housekeeping notes. If you came in late and you missed Josh give the announcements and you noticed everybody on stage was barefoot and I'm barefoot, it wasn't because we all got free pedicures yesterday or anything and we want to show them off. Uh, we are doing a barefoot Sunday for Souls for Souls. Um, and so some of the nice folks out there in the red shirts would be happy to explain that to you as you're leaving today. Uh, and I think uh, Patrick may even co cover that a little more uh, at the end of the service. So just want to let you know we're not normally all barefoot, although I will say Chris about half the time is barefoot up here. It's why only these brave few sit down front. And, um, and then you saw the intro video there for the White Flag series. Um, really excited for that to start next week. Chris is going to be back on stage um, as he's rehabbing. Um, he's back in a place where we feel like we can get him back up here and he won't hurt his neck or his arm. And So excited to have Chris back up here. That's going to be a series... Uh, about the life of Jonah, um, and really, really looking forward to that. So much to unpack in that series uh, about where you are and where God wants you to be and how you get from point A to point B without letting fear and insecurity or anger or, or any of those things that Satan puts between you and where God wants you to be. So that's going to be a really fun, exciting series. So uh, if you guys are ready, we're going to dig into week two of chaos. Last week we talked about that chaos is inevitable um, and that Chaos is out of your control. Last week we looked at the disciples as they were, Jesus had sent them across the Sea of Galilee and they were out on a boat and they were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. You know, they were, Jesus had said, get in the boat, cross the sea. They got in the boat, they were crossing the sea and all of a sudden a storm came up and things got crazy and their life was completely out of control and they feared that they were going to die. And even when Jesus shows up, they don't recognize him. Many times in our life, when we're standing in the midst of our chaos, if we don't know Jesus well enough in our peace, we don't recognize him in our chaos. And so last week, we talked about the fact that even when you're doing the right things, that chaos is just part of your life. Uh, it's part of that answer to why do bad things happen to good people. And the reason ba bad things happen to good people is because thousands of years ago, the human race, we chose sin over God. And from that moment forward, we chose sickness. And we chose chaos and we chose lying and we chose all those things that caused the chaos in your life. And it was never God's plan or never God's will that that's what we would walk in when he created us. But it's where we are. And, and, and God in his infinite wisdom decided to the one thing that would restrict God is God. And he said, I will give humans free choice. I will give them the ability to say no to me, to reject me, to not love me. And so the one thing that limits God is God, and that's the reason we have chaos, is he gave you the ability to choose him over everything else. And, and, and thousands of years ago, we chose sin. And so that's, that's a big part of that answer is, why do bad things happen to good people? 
We talked last week about Romans um, 8, 38, and 39 and said that can be, if you don't have a verse in your life or you don't have a chapter of the Bible that you can hold on to as an anchor, when you're, when you're in that sea of chaos and there's a storm and everything's you know, shaking you, and that's a verse that you can hold on to. And we're going to come back to that today, but at the end of the day, it just comes down to you cannot be separated from the love of God. That when you're standing in the midst of your chaos and your pain and your insecurity and your fear, that God is right there with his arms wrapped around you. And so that, as, as we work through today, I want you to remember that that is where we're going to land, that you cannot be separated from God's love. Even though the world around you wants, wants you to experience nothing but pain and insecurity and fear. So this week, we're going to look at the disciples again. And, and, and this week, the, the background of our story is that the disciples had walked with Jesus for three years, and um, they thought of Jesus as a great teacher and a prophet, and, you know, they really couldn't wrap their minds around how this, this Jesus, this man in front of them, was, was maybe the Messiah and what that meant and how that worked out, and they reached the point where, where Judas betrays Jesus, and they take Jesus away from them, and, and they crucify Jesus. Um... And this man that they've worshipped, and this man that they'd placed their faith in, and all their hopes and dreams about what their future would look like were killed on a cross on a Friday afternoon. And they went and hid. We're going to find in a few minutes that the disciples were behind, locked, were behind a locked door. You know, that when Peter had, had promised Christ, I will never, ever, ever betray you. And just that same day, Peter finds himself, and three times people say, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? And he says, nope, not me, wrong guy. And so the disciples are afraid, and they're living a life based on fear. It's that fear for what will happen to their human body and for their life as they know it. They're living kind of on their carnal self. And so, so they're hiding, they're scared, they don't know what their future looks like. They know at any minute the same people that came and took Jesus and crucified him may kick in the door, yank them out of the room, and take and kill them too. And so when we talk about chaos, that's chaos. I mean, sometimes chaos for us is not sure if our job's going to be there next week. Not sure if our spouse is going to stay. For some of you guys that are in the military, you, you kind of know this fear that I'm talking about. You know, you, you've been in Afghanistan for a year, and you've seen your friends blown up, or You've seen, you know, a unit go out and everything go wrong. And, and so you understand this kind of everyday fear. And you guys man up and put on guns and go out anyway. These guys were hiding in a room. They were scared. And, and we find ourselves in uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 36. And it says, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened thinking they were seeing a ghost. We'll stop there for just a second. Remember last week when, when the disciples were in the boat and Jesus came walking out on the water? These guys aren't very smart. I'm just going to be honest. Last time they thought they saw a ghost, who did it turn out to be? Anybody listening last week? It was Jesus, right? And, and not only did Jesus let Peter walk out on the water to him and then rescue him when he slid back in the water, Jesus got in the boat and was like, and storm was gone. Like he told the water to be quiet, and it was. And yet these guys still, in the midst of their chaos, cannot recognize when Jesus shows up. 
Uh, and then Jesus says, why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? And this is, this is like a springboard moment in the Bible. Like this, this is like a before and after. You know, this is like Jared before Subway, Jared after Subway. You know, this is big because up to this moment, everything we see about the disciples, our story last week, our story this week, is that the disciples let fear dictate what they did. And for so many of us, as chaos comes into our life, we do the same thing. We let fear dictate what's going to happen to us. We are so afraid we're going to die. And if you're a Christ follower today, and you love Jesus, and you're secure in that, if the worst thing someone can do to you is take your life, they don't have that much power over you. You're afraid of the wrong things. Because... You're, you're, you're attached to God right now. His love cannot be separated from you. And if the worst thing someone can do is separate you from your earthly body like we talked about last week, where are you? You're still attached to God. You're still right smack... I mean, you're there, remember? We talked about last week that this is an anchor that you can hold on to. You're still there. And we see that from this moment forward... The disciples completely change what happens in their world. And the reason they do that is because Jesus is no longer a man. You know, they've struggled for three years trying to figure out who Jesus was. And this is the moment where they figure it out. And this is the moment a lot of us need to figure out. Like, like we got saved a year ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, and that was cool. And I'll be honest, for a lot of us, it was fire insurance or a get-out-of-hell-free card or... You know, it felt good that day, and you kind of put that in your back pocket, and you said, yeah, I'm a Christian. But you don't have like a before and after moment. Like, you haven't met God. Like, you haven't figured out, like the disciples did at this very moment, that Jesus just wasn't some guy. He wasn't even some really good guy. He wasn't a prophet. He was God-made man. And we talked about last week that you know, that God isn't the great I'm going to do or the great I did. He is the great I am. God is love. God is truth. All those things that I've, uh, you know, just being honest, I'm challenging you guys to get into God's word and figure out who God is for yourself. You need those things you can hold on to. Because once you figure that out and chaos hits, you know where to go. And that's what the disciples are having a moment here. They're going back and remembering everything they've seen Jesus do. And they're putting it together. That Jesus has defeated death itself. And so at this moment, there's nothing left that Jesus doesn't have power or control over. They've, like we saw last week, we've seen he, he fed 5,000 people plus their families from a little basket of food. He told a storm to stop and it did. And now he's conquered death. And so they are coming to terms with the fact that Jesus is God. And for a lot of us, we don't look at it in this sense, we put our faith in a lot of things. The, the disciples had put their faith in a man. And for a lot of us, and he was a really good man. I just I want to make that, that point kind of obvious here for a second. The disciples, just like in their first moment of chaos we looked at, were, Je were doing what Jesus told them to do. And in this moment, they had placed their faith in Jesus. They hadn't placed their faith in an idol. They hadn't placed their faith in themselves or something bad. But they had still placed their faith in the wrong thing. Because our faith does need to be in Jesus, but it needs to be in Jesus, the Son of God. 
God himself. And for us, the way we, we mess that up is for some of us, and for me, I mean, I, in my past, you know, one of my biggest moments of, ugh, messed it up bad, I had placed my faith in, in religion. I had placed my faith in the church. And when your faith is in the church, you're not doing things to please God, you're doing things to make the church happy. And guys, I love the church. I'm not a big fan of church people for the most part, but I love the church, like God's bride. It's the reason I'm up here today. But if your faith is in a religion or in a set of rules or some do's and don'ts that sometimes you can keep up with and sometimes you can't, your faith is misplaced. And when your faith is misplaced, your life has more chaos, not less. For some of us, we place our faith in our possessions. I mean, let's just be honest. We like our car. It makes us feel good. That newer, bigger house is wonderful. And I make my living because y'all buy houses, so please keep doing that. Um, but, you know, we place our faith sometimes in our job. That title that we get to put with our name. I'm captain. I'm master sergeant or staff sergeant. Or we get to put this title in front of our name and it makes our chest swell out. Or sometimes it's something as good as being called mom. You know, for some of you, you're like the best mom you can be. But you've placed your faith in that. You find your identity in that. And what we find for the disciples here is that from this moment forward in the entire New Testament, they're completely different people. They don't do anything in their own strength anymore. They don't let fear dictate where they go and what they do and how they do it and what they say. They let the Holy Spirit tell them what to do. And when God says go, they go. I mean, they don't, like, negotiate with God. They don't think through it. They don't say, God, that place is dangerous. They say, yes. And they go. And I can't go through all of that this morning. You're going to take my word, or you're going to have to dig in your Bible and find out if I'm right. But if you look from this point forward in the entire New Testament, disciples are completely different guys. And I want some of you to have that moment today or this week or this month as you dig in God's word and you find out that what I'm telling you is true that you find out that God is love that God loves you not because he makes a choice every day but because he is love he's going to love you even on your worst day he's going to love you and that God is truth and so all those things you read in the Bible that he says he, he wants for you it's truth because God cannot tell a lie like God can't coexist in the same place as a lie he is truth and so for, I want you guys today to have a moment where you come to terms with the fact that if your faith is in any of those other things, if it's in your own pride, if it's in your possessions, if it's in your strength, if it's in your faith, if it's in your spouse, if it's in anything other than Jesus Christ, God's son, God made man, God sent here to deliver you, it's in the wrong thing. And it's going to add to the chaos of your life, not take away. We, uh, I think we have a picture back there. It's kind of silly. It's a, uh, it's a Jesus in a box. It's a bobblehead. I really want one of these. I've got to be honest. And that's funny and cute. But many times we say we've placed our faith in Jesus. But what we mean is we've placed our faith in the Jesus that we've created, that we've molded, that we've made. We've placed our faith in a Jesus that doesn't call us to do anything scary. 
we've placed our faith in a Jesus that doesn't call us to love people that look differently than us. We've placed our faith in a Jesus that would never call us to quit our job and do something different. And I just want you to know that's not Jesus. That's a Jesus in a box. That's a Jesus bobblehead. That's a man-made thing. I don't want to serve a little God. I just don't. If I wanted to serve a little God, I'd just worship myself, be selfish, have fun, die, go to hell. I'm just being honest. We talk, you know, I talked about last week that marriage is both feet in. You know, you can't do one foot in, one foot out. That's the way I like to live my life. If I'm doing it, I want to do it all. And that's what God calls us to. He calls, he calls us to be passionate. He calls us to a faith that is dangerous, that is reckless, that will cost you. He wants you to be both feet in. But I'm not going to be both feet in serving something I've created. That's like worshiping this piece of wood that I couldn't get three screws to go into last week if you were here. Epic fail, right? That was proof that I'm still a guy, you know? Um, but I don't want to put my faith in something that I've created. And for many of us, if we're very honest with ourselves, and we take some time and we dig in to see what our faith looks like, you're going to find that you're serving one of these, that your faith is in one of these, and when you flip the box over, it says made by Luther, or made by Daniel, or made by Josh, made by you. And God wants so much more for you than to worship a God you create. He wants you to place your faith in Jesus. Jesus who conquered storms. Jesus who raised people from the dead. Jesus who healed the sick. Jesus who conquered death. All so that if only one of you said yes. And that's this hard thing to wrap my head around. You know, because we're 2,000 years later. Millions of people have accepted Jesus. But to come to terms with the fact that God loved you so much. That if in the course of time only one person accepted what he did, he would have done it all. And that one person is you. Jesus came just for you. Not your spouse, not your neighbor. I mean, they're great and he came for them too, but he would have come just for you. And when God loves you that much, and you accept that, and you accept his peace and his joy, he may call you to some things that you don't like. I mean, over the course of my last year, actually less than a year, what are we, July, 10 months? Last October 6th, I was with our staff and a couple other folks who had, we had gone to Atlanta for a, um, a, a conference called Catalyst. And uh, it's kind of a leadership and pastor's conference, but if you're here at our church and you serve in any way, uh, we're opening that up for everybody to go this year. It's a wonderful conference. And, and I was having a blast, and um, it was just an amazing couple days. And about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I looked at the schedule, and this little girl was coming out to talk about Africa. And I was like, I don't want to hear this. You know, it's like watching those infomercials late at night. If you could give just 50 cents a day for the, cup, you know, for the cost of a cup of coffee, you can change a child's life. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go get ice cream. I know, there's something there that's really sad and pathetic, but that was, I'm just being real with you guys. I wanted to get up and go get ice cream instead of listen to the lady talk about children starving and being orphans in Africa, because I'd heard it before. But the Gwinnett Center, the rows are really, really close 
And so she, get, she gets up to talk, and I didn't want to leave early because Joel Houston was up before, so that was amazing. And so I look down the aisle, and everybody's got their laptops out both ways. And I'm like, ugh, stuck. And so I get my iPad out, and I think, I'll just sit here and play a game. And she starts to talk. And then somewhere in the midst of that, God started to talk. And not, not, not a little G God, not a God in a box, not a God who was doing what I asked him to do with my life, but a big G God who had a plan that I wasn't already aware of. And so this little girl up here talking about moving to Uganda and giving up her life in Brentwood where her parents were wealthy and adopting 13 little girls and spending the rest of her life in Africa trying to change ch children's lives in the name of Jesus that I didn't want to hear Something about what she's saying begins to, like, change the inside of me. Like, I'm old, and, and I love my kids, but, you know, my wife and I, we were planning on being empty nesters. You know, we had a goal. You know, we were raising our kids to be empowered to go out into this world and be educated and be, and be passionate for Christ, but we were planning on sending them out. And I kid about having a naked house, you know, because I was getting everybody out. It was going to be my house. And, yeah, some of you will laugh about that later. And uh, <laughs> you're going to see Terry Bradshaw and go, ugh. Um, and, <laughs> and I had a plan. And then God did something in me. And I came home and I didn't tell my wife. Because I was wrestling with God. Because I didn't do what I'm telling you to do right now. I didn't say yes when God said go. I didn't want to serve a big G God. I wanted a God that was comfortable. I wanted a God that supported my lifestyle. I wanted a God that told me that everything I was doing was right and that he loved me and that Christianity felt good. And over the next week, God just wrecked me. I mean, like I could not find peace. I could not sleep. And then my wife comes walking in. We're in Florida on vacation the next week. My wife comes bebopping in the house and says, and she's crying, and she says, I think God wants us to adopt. And as the great Christian head of my household that I am, I was like, get out. And she just looked at me, and I was like, no, really, get out. Go away. And we spent a couple days wrestling about that. <laughs> and we dialogued. Um, and then I shared with her what had happened to me the week before in Atlanta. And how God was speaking to me. And how I didn't want to hear it. And so we did what the disciples did. We evaluated our situation. We made a list. On the fear side, we put things like, we opened a business in July and we don't have any money. We put everything we had in opening a business. Check one for fear. We're old. Not like crazy old, but I'm too old to have a little kid. Like, like Chris and Kim, our pastor and his wife, they have Bing, and Bing is wonderful and lovely, and we hang out with them a lot. And I make fun of them just in a horrible way about being six months younger than me and having a little kid. Like, what were y'all thinking? What's wrong with you people? You have little kids when you're young so you can keep up with them. So checkbox two for fear. We're old. We had about 20 other things that we checked off as reasons why we shouldn't. 
And then we looked at the column that said, yes, no fear, do it. There's only one thing there. And it was God said so. I mean, like, really, that was it. I had no other reason that looked like we should do this. And so we had to make a choice at that moment. And I'll be honest, it wasn't a moment because I really, really wrestled with God. I mean, I want to be honest with you guys. Um, it got to a place where I just kind of knew at some point God was going to break my hip. And I mean, it just, it was bad. I mean, I really wrestled with God on this because this was way outside my plan. But we got to a place where we said, God in a box, Jesus in a box, God, the God. The God that had saved our marriage. The God that had walked us through Rhonda being on bed rest with our last child for 19 weeks and didn't know how we were going to make it financially. That God, the God that walked us through all those things. He said yes. And so we said yes. And we had to learn to live a life without fear. Because the fear wanted to creep in every day. You know, our process went really fast, but it felt like it took forever. And there were just days we didn't know where the money was going to come from. I mean, this, is, this was not cheap. And, and we, were, we made huge sacrifices, and, and, and God used some people in some ways that, one, I don't want to share with you because they don't want you to know, and you might not even believe. You know, I've always heard people talk about checks showing up in the mail. I'm telling you, checks showed up in the mail with notes like, Hey, I haven't seen you since high school, but I saw on Facebook what y'all are doing and been following it. And for some reason, God told me to send you a check. I'm like, really? I should post on Facebook more often. Maybe y'all should talk about what God's doing in your lives on Facebook. I'm just saying. But God showed up in every time that Satan tried to put a little fear in our lives and change where we were going and discourage us, and make us want to go lock ourselves in a room and hide from the world, we found that God used somebody to show us just how big he was, and that this was always his plan, and that he was always going to show off with this. So what I want you to know is that you can choose to stay the disciples in the boat back when you met Jesus. God still loves you. You're still saved, I believe. That if you had a real moment with Jesus where you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, I believe you're really saved. And I don't believe you can ever be separated from that or from his love. I don't. I believe all that's real. But I believe God wants so much more for you. And I believe you can stay the disciples in the boat. And when Jesus shows up, you can kiss his feet, you can be happy. He'll eventually stop the storm, or he won't. But he'll be there with you, and you'll know it, and you can stay right here. Or you can become the disciples over here in the verse we talked about today where, where when Jesus showed up, they realized who Jesus was. And that they no longer wanted to have faith in Jesus, a man. They no longer wanted to have faith in themselves. They didn't want faith in a program. They didn't want faith in their job. They wanted to place all their faith in God. And that what comes from that is peace and joy and chaos and pain. But it all comes with God's arms wrapped around you.
You know, we, we go back to where we were last week, where we finished up at Romans 8, 38 and 39, that I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I told you last week that if you don't have an anchor, that if you don't have a verse, that you don't have a passage, if you don't have that thing you can hold on to, this can be it. I would encourage you to dig in God's word, to chase after God like he chases you. Let the Holy Spirit reveal to you something you can hold on to. But in the meantime, use this. Use these two verses. Have something to hold on to. Serve a big G God. Not one you've made, not one you've created. Serve the God that created you. Our big idea today is that putting your faith in anything but God creates chaos in your life. See, we've talked about that, that today we have to come to terms with the fact who God is. And that Romans, 30, that Romans 8, 38, and 39 passage, if you believe in a little God, that passage doesn't do a lot for you. I'm just going to be honest. If the Jesus you created is what you're attached to, not a good anchor. Because what you created is fallible. And what you created isn't truth. And what you created isn't absolute love. What you created has your same insecurities. What you created still has a love that can end. What you created will let you down. But if you will believe in a big G God, in the God, in Jesus as God come to earth, if you will believe in that, then knowing that you can never be separated from that, that has power. That will change your life. That will change your chaos. That'll change what you're walking through today. I mean, I got to be honest. I look around this room. I see a couple of you, and I know your stories. I know you need an anchor bigger than this. I'm just going to be honest. I don't know how you do it every day. I know a couple of your stories. And I know that, if, that fear absolutely could dictate what happens in your life. But I want you to know that you can hold on to this, that you can hold on to Jesus' promise here, that God wants to be God and he wants to be big and he wants you to know his truth and he wants you to know that you can hold on to him and he's never, ever, ever, ever going to let you go. Guys, I got, I mean, that's it. I got nothing else to say after that. I mean, there isn't anything. Only thing I would tell you is what I told you last week. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I hope you want to. I mean, my prayer backstage, my prayer this week is I've prepared is that if you're here and you don't know Jesus, that when we talk about what Jesus wants to give you, that the Holy Spirit works in you this morning and you begin to move in that direction. And that myself or Chris or Joel or Patrick or Josh or anybody in a red shirt out there, we would love nothing more than to sit down with you this morning and talk through that with you. Like I told you last week, that is not a 10-second decision we're going to make down here and fill out a card and pat you on the back and send you on your way. The biggest decision you'll ever make in your life, and we want to talk you through that. If you're here today and you do know Jesus, please don't stay in that boat. Please. 
Don't serve a little God. Don't serve a God you made. Be a before and after picture. Yeah, I was a lost in my sin. I met Jesus. God changed me. God gave me peace. God gave me joy. I took the security that comes from knowing that God's arms are wrapped around me and I can never be separated from that. And I don't have to fear sickness or death or anything that anyone can ever do to me. My self-image comes from knowing that the perfect God made me and creates me and wants me to do what he tells me to do. Thank you guys for letting me get up here and talk. Uh, I realized last week it had been exactly a year since I'd been up here. Uh, And it may be a year again, so... uh, after the incident with the screws last week, it may be two years. And, uh, but it has been my honor, and I've loved doing this. And I just challenge you. Don't get to know the God that I've told you about. Get to know the God that you know. Dig in his word. Pray. Don't do it out of some form of legalism. Don't do it to check a box. Do it to chase God. And it will change your life. Let's pray, guys. Dear God, I love you. And God, I love that, that as I walk through my chaos and I walk through pain, that God, as fear starts to creep into my mind, that I can take the security in knowing that you're here with me and your arms are wrapped around me and you're bigger than my situation. And that sometimes, God, you'll snap your fingers and my storm will stop. Sometimes you won't. But that, God, I'm never alone. So, God, I pray that as your Holy Spirit works in this room right now, that if there's someone in here who doesn't know you, that, God, the thought of leaving this building today without you would make them sick at their stomach. God, they would want nothing more in this earth, that they would want you more than they want air. And that, God, for those of us that are in here today, that we got saved and we thought that was all there was. But God, I would pray that you would show yourself to be big in their lives. God, that you would begin to ask them questions that require them to say yes. That God, you would challenge us individually and as a church to not let fear guide what we do. That God, you would call us to do big things because you're a big God. God, we ask all these things in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen. Meet Jim and Kim.